On episode 11 of Pick Up the Six podcast, we met Lowell Coppert, a Green Beret who had just wrapped up a 53-mile hike from Macon County, South Carolina, to the state capitol building in Columbia, in an effort to honor 30 Vietnam veterans from his hometown. Lowell's journey to move the Aiken Vietnam Memorial caught the attention of a man who was there at the beginning of this story, and they both joined me for an incredible conversation. Brian Jodis back again for Pick Up the Six podcast. Lowell Coppert, good to see you and uh, hear your voice again, my man. How are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm great. Uh, we're going to welcome in our special guest here in a minute. My brother, it is wild to think about uh, as we're getting ready for our conversation today to, to revisit this conversation we had, man, probably about a month ago. And I went and looked back at it and I said, it could have been that long ago. We're at episode 23, 24 at this standpoint. And I see Lowell Copper episode 11. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've been turning and burning, man. So you figure we we started the march. Uh, Ray and I, we we left out at 06 on the 7th. Um, you know, took the state house steps at, at 1202 on the uh, on the 8th. And then uh, that was Thursday. So, you know, Friday, Saturday, we did the podcast. Yeah, you know, so right. two days to the 10th. Yep. So, yeah, we're right at, you know, 30, 31 days ago, man. So you've yeah. been you've been knocking them out. So you know, it's all like I know, said, right? It's all we know how to do, man. I'm stoked, stoked to be one of the uh, one of the OGs of pick up the six, man. So, right, absolutely, man. Well, it's great to have you on again. Uh, really loved our conversation. Got so much positive feedback from our listeners that maybe had seen you know some of that story and had seen the news clips and had seen you guys on social media just going out there and really attacking the day with those names that you wanted to bring from Aiken, South Carolina, all the way to the state capitol that are part of that Vietnam veterans memorial that lives in your home county and i think we were just inspired by the fact that you and your buddy ray and all the folks that helped you would strap on the weight for 53 miles and and rock all the way from basically where you live to the state capitol to try to get some movement to continue to get some movement around the idea of paying a real tribute and honor to our fallen heroes from the vietnam war that are from your home county that their names for eternity live on this memorial and the focus was around hey, we need to make sure we're doing this thing right and we need to get this memorial moved because it's currently not serving them and it's not being served where it's at. And a ton of feedback from our listeners uh, that were just inspired by that work. So brother, thank you again for taking the time to share that story with us then. And what's part of this ongoing story is as your story gets carried, as it gets shared across the internet and news outlets and all these different outlets, a man who's from South Carolina, but that is living in New Jersey now by the name of Burl Whitley catches word of what you're doing and he reaches out to you. And we welcome Mr. Whitley in and good evening to you, sir. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So Lowell, tell me what happened. Not but a week or two ago, you got a piece of mail. What happened? Yeah. So I'll, I'll back up a, a few days before that. So when we came back from the state house, you know, as you said, we got a lot of traction and uh, our city council and county council quickly wanted to show their support. So they did both did proclamations. And so I show up at the city council meeting and I have seen, you know, a number of the city council folks in a little bit. So we're all doing the pleasantries and, you know, saying, Hey, and, you know, getting accustomed and just, you know, how you been and checking on each other and that kind of stuff. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as we're going through this, um, a woman who's sitting in the hallway waiting to go into the chambers with us, um, says, you know, says my name, recognizes who I am from the March and from the Veterans Council and says, 
have you had an opportunity to speak to Burl Whitley? And, and I think I told you this when I called you about this whole, you know, how this thing keeps unraveling. This is an onion that we just keep peeling and it's getting better and better and better. And, and on, I joked when I talked to you, I said, you know, the first thing that popped in my head, I hear this name Burl Whitley. And I'm like, Burl Whitley. And I could, you know, immediately think Boo Radley from like, right. you know, to kill a knockingbird. And I'm right. like, um, like Burl who? Burl what? Burl Whitley. You're like, no, I haven't. And, but uh, that sounds like the kind of guy I need to talk to. Yeah. And so I'm like, uh, no. And I just kind of, you know, kind of laughed myself a little bit. She says just real sharply, well, you probably should because he's the guy that put it there. Wow. And I thought, oh, dear God, did I just did I just upset some grandma on this lady's about to hand me my rear end here mm-hmm. at city council? Um, well, you know, fortunate for me, it was 180 degrees in the opposite direction. So she gets up and speaks in city council before me uh, and says, you know, uh, this is who I am. This is the organization I'm with. I've offered to pay for it out of my own pocket. And so, you know, now she's part of the team. We've got another person on board who's like right, you know, in our line of thoughts and is wanting to get all this stuff done. And and so we talk and she tells me the name Burl Whitley and we have a discussion afterwards. And I've met with her a few times and we've become good friends. And and that's the, the really cool thing about this is the people that I've met as part of this journey. Yeah, you really and built so, quite a community around it, Lowell. It's, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. And, and that's, you know, the, the fabric of Aiken. I can't say enough about this little yeah. town, man. Um, you know, if, if everybody had a town like ours, uh, the world would be a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> so uh, she's telling me about Burl Whitley, what she knows of him, that kind of thing. And this is kind of, you know, this is, this is like, you know, the legend, this, you know, Burl Whitley. It's like this shadow, you know, kind of bigger than life, you know, name. And it's like, okay, you know, and, and all I know is that he put it there, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, that was 48 years ago, you know? So I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, he's probably, probably no longer with us. So I'm like, well, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm hoping I'm doing right by this gentleman who did this. Well, then I walk into the veterans council meeting on Monday of last week, our monthly meeting and everybody's doing the same thing, trying to get my attention, that kind of stuff. And someone hands me an envelope and says, Hey, there was a letter left at the county building for you. And I immediately look at it and it says Burl Whitley. And I'm thinking to myself, you have got to be kidding me. (laughs) And it's, you know, postmark New Jersey. And as people are talking to me, I'm just, I immediately just start kind of giving people like the, Hey man, give me a second, give me a second. I rip into this envelope. You know, we're like five minutes from starting our uh, council meeting. And I'm like, yeah, we're on hold. I got to read this letter immediately. And so I open it up and I just want to share with you what I shared with them. And this is the very first paragraph. And it's just because I love so much the way this is written. Mm-hmm. It says, Dear Mr. Copper, first, I would like to commend you on what you are doing for the veterans and your campaign to move the Vietnam Memorial to the Veterans Park. It is an endeavor that is long overdue. Reading further, you will understand why I say it is long overdue. I am Burl Whitley the person responsible for the making and erection of the current Vietnam Memorial. And I'm like a guy named Burl Whitley who did this kind of thing would write a letter that, you know, the second paragraph says, Oh, by the way, I'm Burl Whitley. And so it just just fit with who I thought this guy was, you know? And I mean, to me, I'm, I'm reading a letter uh, from a guy who was doing the things that I believe in, you know, way back when. So, you know, to me, you know, this is the first I've gotten to Seaboro. You know, we've talked on the phone, you know, ever since, you know, Monday, we've been talking back and forth probably every other day and, and getting to know each other. But, you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, he's part of the family already. And, you know, I mean, to me, you know, 
he's larger than life. You know, this is a legend who put that stone there and we'll get into it with him. And, you know, you'll realize just how young he was when he did this. And, um, you know, I'm, I think hats off to the guy. Like I can't say enough great things about him. And, you know, I'm, I'm so honored to be on this podcast and that we are able, you know, to reach back. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he is the, the lost, you know, the lost piece of the pie to this thing. I mean, he's the guy, he's the Oracle. He's got all the answers. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me. I, it I really love is. it. You know, I'm it really is. Uh, guys, Lowell calls me the other day and like giddy. giddy. He said, you're never going to believe who I just got off the phone with. You're never going to believe who I just talked to. And, uh, and here we are, we're able to make this happen. So it's an incredible journey that gets us there. Mr. Whitley, you know, you're living in New Jersey now. You still have South Carolina roots and, and you come home often uh, for things down this way. But how does word get up to you that here's what's happening back home? Here's what's going on with this. And, and how do you decide I want to reach out to Lowell and, and get connected to these guys? Well, as, as I said, my son saw it in the paper and I, I have a subscription to the state and, and uh, an ice description and uh, or e subscription and um, and I try to keep up with all the stuff that's going on that the information I can get from the state and also people uh, who go to my church down there they keep in touch with us quite often also and um, and by the way I'm I'm happy to be a part of that family too as Lowell said um, but that's uh, you know I just I go down there quite often in fact I'm leaving. Um, Right after the 18th, I've got an MRI. I got to get up here at the VA, and um, I'm leaving right after the 18th, coming straight down. And I'm gonna try to get with Lowell if, if he's still there, and and show him all the information. I can show it to you too. I've got mm-hmm. a big box full of all of it. So, really incredible. Yeah. Well, take me back. Let's go back to it's the Vietnam War. Uh, it's 1971, 72-ish. I know the 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 monument goes up in 1972. You guys were telling me before we started uh, recording that we believe this is the first Vietnam veteran memorial erected in the United States. Pretty incredible. So take me back, Mr. Willie. What's happening in this time frame, and how do we get the idea to have this memorial here in Aiken, South Carolina? Um. This was uh, a project given to me by the late city manager, Roland Wyndham, and um, our late uh, and long-serving mayor, H.O. Del Weeks. And um, they asked me to take on the project and come up with something that would uh, be in remembrance of the uh, people from Aiken County that died in the conflict. And uh, so... I just got to thinking about it and I said, you know, this, this seems like the best thing to uh, remember them is to have something that people can see and see their names. And of course I spoke to all the families um, and some took it very hard. Mr. Parks took it terribly hard. And uh, it it was just, it was just going from one to the other and trying to figure out how we were going to do it, the logistics of it. The city was so grateful uh, they gave us that spot. And by the way, that answers the question why it's there. That -hmm. was the only spot they had to put it at the time. That was the public safety office there, uh, headquarters. So, um, you know, they, they were behind me a hundred percent. They helped me every, everything I needed. I could go to them and ask them for it, but I really didn't need a lot because the people were so giving. It's a wonderful community. And, um, they gave five, $10 here and there. And I think, uh, 
the largest one was 200 bucks we got from um, uh, Granville Company. So that's how the thing got started. Mr. Whitley, why did they ask you to do it? Well, that's, I guess that would be a matter of opinion, but at the time I was very active with the Chamber of Commerce and, and different organizations in the community, the Red Cross. And I was part of the group that started um, uh, Helping Hands of Bacon uh, back when we just had one house and we had uh, a guy that used to uh, play with a rock band, <laughs> he and his wife, you know. Uh, Mike and his wife took over as a, a mother and father, house mother and father. And um, I was just, I just couldn't stop doing things. I just, that was my goal in life was to help people if I could. And I'll be honest with you, when uh, right after this thing was over and I became executive vice president of the Chamber of Commerce, it's like putting a target on your back. You know, people, you do a lot of things. You know, I won a lot of awards with the JCs. Um, and, it's like having a target where people say, you know, we don't like somebody doing more than we do. So a lot of people, not, not too many people, but some people gave me a very hard time about things and made it a little difficult for me. And it ended up uh, kind of bad at the chamber of commerce. I'll tell you about that later, but mm -hmm. uh, that's another story. Um, but I don't know. It just, uh, it was just a hard thing to do because I didn't, I got a lot of help from the city and, and a lot of the people, but there were some others that were kind of like, you know, maybe narcissists. I don't know. <laughs> well, you had to have felt personally connected to it to take on a project like that. There's got to be a pretty good strength of purpose and a why to take on the feat of not just building uh, a monument, but really the heavy weight of ensuring that those names were etched in there and, and forever remembered. So, so I understand maybe why they asked you, but why did you agree to take it on that? Well, I, um, I saw a lot of things, did a lot of things in Vietnam uh, that are etched in my memory. And I spent seven weeks at the old uh, VA hospital in Augusta, Georgia, when I got back. And um, that was uh, two guys died in a room with me. So, you know, it, you just you see things like that and you you say, I've got to do something. I can't just sit aside and, and let this thing go. And I was so happy that they asked me to do it because I knew I was going to do the very best I could. Sir, we thank you for everything that you've done for our nation, everything you continue to do. I want to come back and talk about how you decided to design it, what all went into collecting the names and, and making it happen. Lowell, to hear him talk about um, you know, you, you got to do something. He had already spent time overseas, had already sacrificed for his country to step up and do something else. I mean, they don't, they don't make them like this. Yeah. Anymore, and, and, and the thing that I didn't even realize. So, you know, I call, I, I open this letter at the County council meeting and everyone's piled into seats waiting for this meeting to start. And I'm in the very back of the room hiding in a corner, reading this envelope, calling his, I've already thumbed through it and I'm dialing his cell phone number. Right. You know, I, I'm waiting, not even they're waiting to, until the connections made. Yeah. I literally read the first paragraph and was like, I'll read the rest later. I got to talk to this guy now. And, um, a little while, probably, I don't know, a couple hours later, I'm on my way home and I'm talking to a good buddy of mine. And it's one of the guys that was part of my support crew going forward. Mm -hmm. And he was born in 72 and it didn't dawn on me. Um, you know, I talked to Burl and Burl said, yeah, man, you know, I'm 78. I turned 79 in August. 
And then I'd been talking to Clint and Clint was like, oh man, I was putting 72. That was the year I was born. That was 48 years ago. And then it <laughs> triggered. And I said, man, I just thought about that. And he said, what? I said, Burl's 78. And he said, yeah. I said, that was 48 years ago, man. He, he did this when he was 30 years old. And that really resonated with me. You know, the fact that here he is, you know, I mean, I left, I left group, I left SF at 28. Um, but, you know, here he is dealing with what he dealt with, um, the things that he's seen in his lifetime to that point as a young man. And I feel like that's where our connection is. Mm-hmm. You know, we both went to war as young men and it changed us, um, you know, and, and we both seen probably the worst the world has to offer, um, you know, and, and we're no worse for wear for it. You know, we were able to handle it and, you know, we everybody's got their own way of dealing with things. But, you know, he took a positive a positive road and, and tried to do something for his brothers and make an impact for them and their families. More importantly, as he discussed, you know, making those hard interactions and, you know, and that's, that's a lot of it. That's the hard part. You know, they're the ones that are left behind to deal with it on a daily basis, but just that fact, you know, and, and where I'm at in life and what I've done in, you know, in the last 10 years in this community with the veteran stuff that I've done, I was like, wow, you know, it just, it gave me this feeling like, you know, I'd met, I'd met myself, you know, it was like, wow, you know, this was, you know, like Burl is going to be me, you know, in, in another, you know, 38 years, you know, kind of thing. Like that's going to be, you know, where I'm headed kind of thing. We, we both, both came from the same, you know, cloth, if you will, chose the kind of the same paths Mm. and, you know, and had very similar experiences. And um, so that was the big piece that resonated with me, you know, when, when, and it, it didn't even dawn on me. You know, I was just like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, the day before I was thinking that, you know, this guy is long gone, Yeah. you know, and then I find out, you know, the next day I'm like, no, man, this dude's alive and kicking. And I mean, he's more than kicking. Like you'll once you get to know Burl and you talk to him for a few minutes, you know, this dude, this dude's got some fire in him. You know, I mean, this is a go getter still to this day, Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, hella proud to know him. And, you know, I'm pleased that he's on the team and, you know, I'm, he's a South Carolinian, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're a proud bunch. So, you know, I'm going to say that out there too. You know I mean? This, he's just a great guy. He's a great American. He's done a lot of crazy things. Um, you know, I was impressed with just the monument aspect, but then as I've gotten to know him in the last week and just talking on the phone, all the things that he's done in this community down here, um, you know, and the fact that, you know, he, he just kind of did it quietly you know, from the shadows um, says even more about him as a person um, because, you know, he talks, he talks about Odell Weeks and, you know, he had the pleasure of knowing him and I did not. Um, but, you know, for every one Odell Weeks, you know, there's 15, 20 Burl Whitley's, you know, and they're the guys behind the scenes that are making things done. And, you know, uh, they might not get the recognition, uh, but they damn sure deserve it. And, uh You know, that's that's my point at this point going forward is making sure that this man, you know, gets gets his uh, his five minutes of fame. If I if I'm responsible for it more than, you know, 15, 20, 30, you know, an hour, you know, whatever I can give him because he um, he definitely deserves it. You know, it's uh, it's why we one of the reasons why we started this platform is to, to hear about the men and women among us, among us, folks that maybe we haven't met before or don't know who continue to pick up the six, just like what was done here by erecting this monument, it picked up the six. It ensured that we never forgot the names of those from your home area that paid that ultimate price in that war. Mr. Willie, tell me a little bit about 
Uh, I want to hear about how we designed it to ultimately look like what it looked like. But in the process of that, you do have to collect and verify and with accuracy, gather all of the names that will be etched into this. What was that process like? Well, um, I had to call Strom Thurmond and uh, ask him to get the names for me. And he said he could only give me the whole state. Uh, my nickname was Bunky then, and it still is. And he, he'd say, Bunky, I'm sorry. I wish I could help you more than that. But, uh, you know, I, you got to do your own work. So I had to take all these names from the state of South Carolina and pick out the ones from Aiken County. And, and then, like I said, verify them. Because, like I, I got plenty of phone calls from people saying my son should be on there because he lived mm -hmm. in Aiken for two months or whatever. And that just didn't work. They had to be residents of Aiken County at the time they were, were killed. And um, so doing that and then designing the thing was something that um, just was off the top of my head. I love I love to draw and paint. And, um, you know, I came up with some kind of design that I thought would be appropriate and Georgia Marble Company helped me tremendously because they had some guys there that could do a lot of the uh, the actual. I, I give them the rough drawings and then they would do the actual drawings, and um, it had to be a certain size to get the number of names on there. Mm -hmm. uh, originally, we thought it was going to be eighteen names, and it ended up being twenty. I believe that's correct. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I've got. I've got all the information and letters from the people and so forth. I've got a book, probably an inch thick, full of uh, all kinds of things that uh, you uh, I love, think you'll love seeing. Don't be thinking for a second that he could just fire up the laptop, uh, get the Excel sheet from Strom Thurmond, just run a quick <laughs> little uh, code in there, pull out all the Aiken, South Carolina names and go from there. Probably a lot of tedious work on some sort of printed out or even copied sheet that you guys had to work from. There's a heavy weight though in, in collecting those names and having to read through all those names. Do you remember what that emotion was like? And it's still probably fresh in your brain having been there. It's only a handful of years removed since your time in the service. Do you, do you remember that the, the weight of that, sir? Well, I'll be honest. I cried a lot. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, that's it's kind of hard to take when you see all these people that you lose. Um, and I had some high school uh, classmates that died there from New Jersey. And, um, you know, all that put together, it just it just gives you the incentive. Uh, and, and you have the responsibility. You take it and you run with it and you try to do the best you can. But I got a lot of help from the bank because they were very... Um, good to me when it came to having time to go do some things. Um, and I had a councilman, uh, uh, the late Skipper Perry, I, I guess people probably remember him. He's, he was a good guy. Um, he used to work for me at the bank and, and we, they gave us kind of a carte blanche to do the things to help out for the community. And that helped a, a tremendous amount. Lowell, it, it is a different time today than it was then. I mean, it was even a different time uh, during uh, the Gulf War, different time during Operation Iraqi Freedom, uh, Enduring Freedom, right? Iraq and Afghanistan, when you guys were coming home, there were a lot of airport parades and welcome home celebrations, a lot of flags flying. It was a different feel. 
for when Mr. Whitley and his friends came home and, and for his friends that were lost and came home after paying the ultimate price. How much have you thought about that in this venture and this journey that you've been on to, to protect and fight for this thing? So, I mean, essentially, that's that's what it's been all about. You know, from from day one, uh, Linda Caldwell, who is a uh, army captain who served in Vietnam as a nurse and volunteered to go. Um, you know, she's, you know, somebody that I depend on a lot and does a lot for this community within our Veterans Council. Uh, she holds the position of treasurer. Um, you know, she's 73 years old, uh, I'd say about about there. Um and, you know, I can, I can give her any task and I don't have to ever double check on her. Like she is a rock star. Um, you know, she makes me shine. I love her to death. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of the active service members in the veteran community right now that are kind of the folks that are, you know, big into volunteering and that kind of thing are from the veteran Vietnam veteran era. Um, you know, and I tell them, I, I still remember, you know, where I was the day that the, uh, the towers fell, and I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, you know, I was in the pool getting ready for dive school at first group. And uh, a couple of days later, we went out just to do a quick uh, proficiency jump. And we were coming back from the DZ, and I was with my ODA, and we were all laid up in the bed of a truck. And every vehicle that passed us on the interstate on I-5 was giving us a thumbs up, beeping the horn, that kind of stuff. And, and we were just kind of quiet and stayed to ourselves. And I remember our team leader, his dad was a firefighter and they had given us stuff to take with us. Um, you know, uh, I had some friends buy me a, a Yankees sweatshirt, you know, kind of thing, like the symbology behind it and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we very much were united as a nation by nine 11. Um, and, you know, it was kind of one team, one fight as we know from, you know, being in the military, uh, but that wasn't the case with these guys. And that's always been my comment as I've been fighting this fight on their behalf um, in the last, you know, year and a half. And specifically this last couple of months as we've been getting more and more recognition, mm -hmm. you know, and I tell people, you know, you don't have to agree with the politics of what the conflict was to agree that the individual's that held up their end of the deal. You know, I tell people duty isn't part of the job. Duty is the job. And um, you can't, you can't oppose the fact that we're trying to honor these men, these 30 men who paid the ultimate price. And I always, you know, like to add that 10 of them were draftees. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they held up their end of the bargain. Um, and, you know, they weren't welcomed. They weren't sent off in the manner that we were sent off. They definitely weren't welcomed home in the manner that I was. Um, so, you know, and, and that was kind of my big thing to our state house and to our local politicians was, you know, how many times can we do wrong by this one group of individuals yep. who did their job? And I told the state house, you know, a politician's job is peace. Soldiers don't get to sit at that table and politic. A soldier's job is war. And when a politician fails at theirs, we as the United States military do not fail at ours. And these 30 men are a test to that fact. Um, you know, they didn't fail. They went and did their job. Um, you know, uh, they may have fallen in battle, you know, but they were there to, um, you know, represent our country and, you know, back 
the, uh, the leadership and what they were trying to accomplish. And, you know, whether they agreed with it or not, they upheld their end of the bargain. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is the core principle of this entire, entire fight for me. Um, you know, and I told people, you know, I'm a GWAT guy, Iraq, Afghanistan. And I was even joking with one of my buddies. I said, you know, if it was, if it was our monument, you wouldn't have got me to walk 53 miles. Cause I just don't really care that much. I said, but, uh, you know, just kind of joking, you know, but, um, because of it being this group of individuals, it just resonated even more. You know, like I said, how many times can we get it wrong with this one group? You know, you just got to feel like, you know, they're getting kicked again and they're like, really, yeah, really, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's just, it's, a, it astonishes me to one point. And um, it saddens me to another, you know. Think about those opportunities you have, guys. If you're out in public and, and you see a hero proudly with that Vietnam veteran sticker on the back of their car with that hat on, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to walk up to that hero and shake their hand and maybe tell them what they didn't hear in those days when they deserved it, which was welcome home. And that opportunity still exists today. Don't let it pass you by. Like Lowell saying, he's not letting this moment pass him by. It could be easy to say, man, it's an old monument. Well, look, we got the 30 names on there. We're paying ultimate respect to them. It's there. Everything's fine. It's not good enough. It, it's not good enough where it was located and where it needs to be to ensure that it is given the respect that it ultimately deserves. Mr. Willie, to hear Lold talk about it, to know what all went into putting it there, the hard work that you guys had to do to collect the names, to verify, to build it, to put it there. Why are you in so much support of what he's doing today? Well, I, I think for a long time, I, I knew that something else needed to be done. And I knew that that was a dangerous spot to have it, uh, even back when we put it there. But that was the only place we had to put it at the time that we were allowed to put it. Uh, and it was given to us. So that was, I thought it was great for the city to do that. But um, he made a, a good point when he was talking about the people, the draftees and so forth of the men. And, and let me correct myself. I said 20, it was 30. Mm -hmm. We had 28 and we had at the last minute, we had to call Georgia Marble and add two to it because we verified them. Um, but I'd like to tell you a little quick story. One of the things that, that probably incentivized me. Um, when I was uh, a young man, a lot younger than I am now, uh, I was playing football in the Atlantic Coast Professional Football League. And um, I tore the capsules off my ankle and had a full uh, cast on my left foot. And when I got home from college, uh, I was playing going to college and playing football at the same time going to college in Philadelphia. And uh, I got home and I had my draft notice. So I went to Newark. And when I got there, they gave me a physical and they made me 4F and sent me home. So when I got home, my dad, who had been with the Department of Interior Fish and Wildlife Service for 32 years, uh, I was living on a national wildlife refuge here in, in Oceanville, New Jersey, and uh, which, by the way, he built and they named it after a congressman. So uh, <laughs> you can see why I don't like that very much. Yes, but sir. Um, anyhow, I... Um, I got home and my dad said, no, you're not going to freeload off of us. You're going into the Army. He took me back to Newark the next day with a carton of Winston cigarettes and a carton of Salem cigarettes because all the doctors smoked. 
And when we got there, he bribed them into making me 1A and sent me down to recruiting office. Instead of two years, I had three years to serve. And that's my last year I went to Vietnam. So, But I always thanked him for it because he made, to me, he made a man out of me. That's an incredible story and an incredible, man, turn of events. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How much, how much trouble would you be in these days for, for doing some stuff like that? You know? Oh, man. Yeah, but you know what? That's the beauty of, of the bedrock in which this nation was not only born, but how, how it continued to grow and, and figure out its way through, I mean, really that time frame of our country, kind of adolescence as we're still kind of growing as a nation. But it takes, it takes bold, brave, brazen rule breakers sometimes, gentlemen, excuse my language, to get shit done. That's what it takes. Absolutely. That's right, Mr. Wheeling. It took your dad to break a few rules to get something done. Absolutely. He, tell me, uh, he tell was, me a little bit more about him. Do you mind? Yeah. Uh, he, my dad was a guy that uh, when he left here, when he, he retired after 32 years in the service, uh, Department of Interior, um, they had all kinds of uh, wonderful things. He was the first time. He won the gold medal award for uh, the highest award they can give in the Department of Interior. And it was the first time it was ever given to someone outside of Washington. Mr. Godstock came and presented it to him at the uh, uh, this big hotel where the patent secretary and her husband owned in Atlantic City. And uh, he was the kind of guy who was always, he always gave us rain to do things. My brother and I, my late brother, he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, and he always told me, he said, you know, you, it takes a bigger man to run away from a fight and it does one to fight. Uh, and however, he said, if you get pushed up in a corner, you know, you take care of yourself. And I try to teach my kids the same thing. I had boys, all boys. And, um, he was the kind of guy that always gave me encouragement. They would not sign for me to play football in high school, but they came to every single game after I, uh, falsified their signatures. <laughs> See, and, a uh, bit of rule breaking, a little bit of yeah, <laughs> a little rule breaking. Yes, sir. So all these years later to, to, again, to kind of see what our friend here is, is doing. Uh, I'm sure you're not surprised that people from, you know, that town of Aiken, South Carolina have sort of risen up to, to, to get kind of fired up behind this, to get community built behind it. But from where you sit today to, to kind of see it from afar, really, but to still be welcomed right back into that family as quickly as you were, I'm sure you're not surprised. What are your thoughts on that? I'm ecstatic about it. I really am because I always knew there were so many great people in Aiken that I worked with uh, over the years. Um, and I knew that there were so many, there were much more good people than there were bad people. And um, a, a good example was when I was at the chamber, I started a park, parkway beautification program and the people gave $15,000 the first year. Uh, that we gave to the city to maintain and beautify the parkways, 177 parkways in Aiken. You know, that's where the memorial is, is in mm -hmm. a parkway, like Lowell said, right where the turn is. And, um, you know, they they were so giving. And, and of course, you had a lot of rich people there, too. And uh, some of them thought that they were the boss. And I'd tell them, no, you're not. People of Aiken are the boss. And, you know, I, I was kind of outspoken in some ways, but um, I think hopefully people appreciated the fact that I told it like it was. 
rather than, you know, give them a lot of bull. So I'm not a politician. No, sir. No, sir. You're just a, a virtuous leader who's been working his whole life to leave a legacy. And Lowell, what I hear in here is it's not a project here and there. It's not volunteering, you know, a couple weekends. It's just a constant pursuit of giving it away, a constant pursuit of service before self, a constant pursuit of of strength of purpose and of community impact. This man has been a living embodiment of that because he's just every step of the way is, is just sort of being given it away and, and give you know, away. one thing, uh, one thing I'd, like to, I'd like to tell you too, Ryan, my dad always said to me, if you have knowledge and you can't give it away, it didn't worth anything. Mm. So, well said. That's a damn good thing. <laughs> Absolutely right. We need a few more to listen at these days. Well, it's amazing, man. I mean, you know, it's amazing. It's not surprising at all to hear about this hard charger and, I mean, I'm sure we could hear for hours and hear story after story. And you know what? Maybe that's something we try to make happen in the future. But Lowell, where are we right now in the ongoing process of this thing? Can you can you catch us up to speed as to where we were from episode 11 to where we are today and, and kind of where where are things standing right now? So, you know, um, kind of kind of in and off, you know, that Saturday when you and I wrapped up, um, you know, after that, we had a number of people reach out to us, you know, Ray and I. We finished a podcast with you. Um, he already he was already back in Virginia Beach at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd spoken with a couple of the key members of our state house um, outside of our own delegation, um, just you know personal relationships, just kind of talking to them about things. And then you know we had a number of news media reach out to us in different capacities. Even up until like last week, even we've been having people reach out to us. Um, So right now, you know, I told you at the beginning of this city council did a proclamation. That's their second second one they've done in in two years. So they did one last year. They did one again this year. Uh, County council came on and did one. And essentially, you know, if you've been following this, uh, it's going to take the state house doing something to make this happen. So city and county doing a proclamation is merely just them taking a stand to show the powers of be above them. We've got these guys six. We agree with them. We're on board. We are united as a community in Aiken. And and I tell you, that's to me, that's kind of been the cool part of this is, you know, right now as we're a country somewhat divided, depending on how much you, you listen to the media, you know, around here, you don't really see that because if you're not following, you know, the narrative on the news, you know, where we're at you know, everybody's still, you know, waves, you know, every, everybody's still getting along and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, and I think that's, it's, I don't think it's rare to Aiken. We just happen to be one of the places that it is occurring. Um, but we are united and this really amongst that veteran community, you know, and, and the beauty of the veteran community, as I said before, is, you know, when we all join the military, we set aside all that. And I think a lot of our leadership across the world, to learn a lot from the veteran community of the world. You know, when we joined the military, we all set aside race, religion, gender, creed, uh, socioeconomic status, you know, all those things for a common good, for a common goal, whether it was peacetime or war, um, to accomplish one task. And we were one team united in that goal. Um, and so, you know, we are 
here right now, very united around this one cause. Um, so that's been a good thing. Um, the Supreme Court is basically what we're waiting on now. So there was a, a shooting uh, years ago that made national news, unfortunately, down in Charleston. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, we talked about it in the first podcast. I'll never say the shooter's name because I don't want any publicity thrown his way, but uh, it was a, um, a church in Charleston. The congregation was African-American. The shooter was a white, um, a young white kid. And, um, you know, a number of people lost their lives, unfortunately. Um, and within that, a lawsuit has come out against the state of South Carolina um, attacking the Heritage Act and claiming that it is unconstitutional um our state house that heritage act was written in 2000 uh when the the push to get the confederate flag off of the dome on um, the south carolina state house um when that was a big source of contention which it ended up being removed mm -hmm. um the heritage act was written and i think they kind of maybe hastily went about doing it we're stuck in it as a war memorial even though we were just trying to relocate our monument. We're not trying to tear it down or pack it in mothballs or destroy it. We're actually trying to put it in a, a better place. Um, it, uh, unfortunately, however, as we talked on the first, you know, podcast, it's encompassed in that heritage act. So, um, on May 27th, the Supreme court will decide, uh, one of two things, uh, one that the heritage act is in fact, unconstitutional, and if the gavel falls and they say it is unconstitutional, that clears us uh, the right to move our monument um, at, at you know, whatever point we choose, which since you and I talked, we've got uh, a gentleman who um, has a granite company who's willing to do it for us for free. Um, we've been kind of working at the Veterans Park this past week and um, this this week here uh, to make room for it maneuvering some things around and making some improvements so that it has a, a spot to come to that is, you know, deserving of that specific monument. And we, we get it right where we want it kind of thing. Um, and then two is they rule that it is constitutional and they uphold it. And which in that case, we will do exactly what we've done before up to this point. We'll go right back to the state house and we'll have legislation drawn from our county saying that we want to move our monument. We're asking it to go to the floor for a two thirds vote, um, which is what the Heritage Act um, requires. We'll get our two thirds vote and we will move our monument. Um, but I, either way, it's going to go. We've got so much support down here that I've had. And I won't say their positions because I don't want to get them in trouble, but sure. There hasn't been probably one politician where I live at here who hasn't come to me personally on the side and say, hey, Lowell, you know, I got a skid steer. <laughs> won't we won't we meet out there at midnight and make this thing happen? And I laugh. <laughs> you know, I truly, you know, I mean, it's, it's that kind of right, gentlemen. Breaking exactly. It's kind of that, that good old boy nature that Burl <laughs> referred to uh, of just get her done. But yep. um you know, we we obviously don't want to do that. We love the support and to know sure. that these folks are, are willing. You know, in fact, one of the one of the main players where I'm at made the comment of what's the state going to do? F give us a fine. He's like, you don't think people will be fighting over that citation? People will be wanting to frame it, um, you know, and that's just kind of 
that's the fire that we've lit sure doing thing. this, sure you know, thing. and you know, it's, it's, it speaks to what, what Burl did back then and how much this stone, you know, has meant to this community and the sacrifice of these men. And then it speaks to, you know, as he, as he's talked about, you know, um, all his years here and him growing up in this area and the things that he accomplished as a young man here in Aiken. And, you know, uh, a lot of those folks are still here. A lot of those families are still here in that, that core, that core belief and understanding sacrifice. And, you know, um, I, I think the big thing, and this is what I told city council, you know, going back to the Vietnam veterans, you know, the time is right to do right by these gentlemen and the time is right to do now. Um, and I think, you know, that really resonates with everybody here. Like we can always do better at everything that we do in life. You can always do better. Um, but you know, this is something that the Vietnam veterans want, you know, um, beyond the community, the Vietnam veterans themselves. I mean, you know, we're speaking to the man, we are speaking to Burl Whitley, you know, day one, in his mind, he's put it on paper. He did the research. You know, if anybody's got a dog in this fight, you know, to be listened to, it's this gentleman here that's on this podcast with us, you know, and he's the last, basically the last voice to be heard on this matter, you know, up until this point, because he's in New Jersey, he hasn't had a chance to come down here and really kind of say, Hey guys, let me, let me tell you what I think, you know, and that's why I was so uh, just beside myself when I called you, you know, I read this letter for, and I'm like, you know, the guy, imagine you take on this endeavor and you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. You know, I kind of let my emotion get the best of me when, when I told you that the Senate came back to me and said, we fear. Yeah. And it just, that made the, the hair on my neck stand up, you know, the, the, you know, how dare they use that word for this situation is kind of how I took it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and here I am you know, a month later, standing in a council meeting with a letter from the guy who put it there himself. Yep. He was yep. the instrument and the mechanism to make this happen and is saying, hey, man, I got your six, brother. Yep. What do you yep. need? Let's do it. You know, that's what happens when you uh, are dedicated and you believe in something so much bigger than yourself. You know, as it relates to this, you know, I think about the words I've heard my father say at many speeches. Uh, Mr. Willie's 36 year, my dad, 36 year Air Force veteran, retired general. And he always talked about you do the right things, but you do the right things right. And you do the right things right for the right reasons. That's the pursuit that you guys are on. Mr. Willie, before we let you go, any final thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I want to ask uh, Lowell. Uh, I, he mentioned to me earlier that um, the lady had told him that the monument was not registered with the state. Is that true, Lowell? So we're so that's the other aspect of this, Brian. And so um, the woman that I met at the city council meeting, who spoke, you know, the first time I'd heard Burl's name, uh, she reached out to the South Carolina Department of Archives. And what the South Carolina Department of Archives has told her is that that monument was not. Uh, basically encompassed for, for whatever reason, by mistake, by accident, whether it just never, you know, whatever reason, it was never coded and went into the South Carolina archives. And back in, 
I think it was 2015, a gentleman from the upstate of South Carolina went around and took pictures of every single monument as part of some program that they were doing and enlist basically listed every single monument. So whether you know, you would put it there privately or whatever. It was kind of like the state's way of saying, well, these are all protected monuments because of the Heritage Act. And somehow um, what she was told by this woman on the phone was that they didn't have a record of our monument being in the archives. Um, we have not received, we asked for uh, documentation um, so that we had something you know, uh, material that we could actually hold on to as proof. Um, because if that truly is the case, then obviously the Heritage Act does not apply to this monument and we are free to do as we wish, um, which obviously we will wish to relocate it to the Veterans Park. Um, but that was a couple of weeks ago and we still haven't heard anything back. So I don't know if that was maybe somebody, you know, um, making you know, miss, miss comments or, you know, it was a bit of misinformation or, you know, they were confused with something else, but, um, you know, that, that would be that I think for us would be, um, a great situation because then we can, we can set aside all the politics, mm -hmm. um, the Vietnam veterans get what they want. Um, you know, our fight, was just um but you know we went a different route on finding a way to to make it happen and um you know we can leave the heritage act you know we we can stay out of out of that fight sure. and let other folks sure. fight that matter and um you know we can we can focus on what's important to us the heritage act is not important to me um you know we are for the protection of monuments i don't think you should be tearing things down and that's you know part of the the first podcast and the things that we talked about and that's that's not who we are you know we're, we're looking to put this in a in a place of um you know a higher honor a uh, mm -hmm. place that makes more sense now you know as burl said that was given to them and it made sense then um you know now uh it's just not a place um that is adequate in my mind or you know burl who created it um you know i don't i don't think it reflects his efforts and it surely doesn't reflect the sacrifice of those men um, to be where it's at when there's such a better place that it could be. Um, so, you know, if, if the archives thing comes through, you know, um, you know, it, it goes, but at this point, I honestly believe, you know, and I, I hate to speak in, um, hundred percent truths or certainties. Um, but I have a very good feeling and I've told the people down here, you know, our monument, their monument, um, you know, it's, it's to men like Burl and women like Linda who served there, uh, it's to their families, it's to the men that, that wore their uniform during that time period. Um, the men that were lost, the women that were lost, um, the families, um, and, you know, um, the, the community as a whole, it's an education, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of history. Um, so it's an education. And as long as it stands there, you know, with those names, you know, as long, as long as people walk into our veterans park and read those names, you know, Jack Gell, um, you know, uh, is, is one of the ones on there. It stands out in my, in my mind, um, you know, Franklin Penn, you know, um, there, there's a number of them on there that I know just off the top of my head as we've been going through this, you know, and as long as we continue to say their names, um, you know, their memory lives on, 
And so, you know, that's kind of, kind of where we're at. Got a little off topic there. Um, but that's, that's, you know, that's where we're at currently. Um, it's out of the, it's out of the politicians hands, uh, per se right now. So we, we're giving them a little, (laughs) a little, little break, a little breather. You know, we're, we're not, we're not uh, hammering them down on them as, as much as we were, you know, a month ago. No, we were definitely, you know, they knew we were there. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And and like I said, they've, they've all, you know, we, we've got the weight of the world behind us down here. So, you know, we've got some great politicians. They understand what we're looking to do. Um, You know, they understand that there is, you know, some bureaucracy that we got to deal with. That's even out of some of their hands. And, you know, a couple of them got beat up pretty good through this thing, you know, and, and, you know, there was definitely some lines in the sand and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, I told people there's, there's always gotta be, you know, there's gotta be a good, there's gotta be a good guy and a bad guy in every story to make it, make it worth reading. And, um, you know, a couple of those dudes took, took a couple on the chin, um, for the situation, but, um, you know, and all in all, you know, like I said, all along, um, it's not about me. It's not about those politicians. It's about the 30 names on that stone. It's about their families. Um, the veterans that served during Vietnam, it's about them. So, you know, honestly, I don't, if somebody gets their feelings hurt, you know, some politician gets his feelings hurt. Yeah, man. I, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but it's like, hey, man, I, I don't, I don't care. You know, um, you know, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for these folks. And, um, you know, we're, we're like Burl said, we're a proud bunch down here. The vets are a proud bunch. And, um, you know, whether, whether you're serving right now, you know, whether you signed up today to get ready to go, you know, the moment you write your name on that, uh, on that line, you know, and put service before self, you know, you're part of, you're part of us. You're part of the the largest fraternity in the, in the world, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know, the branch of the United States military. And, um, you know, that, that's not lost on folks down here in Aiken. And that's a big part of the veterans council that I chair. You know, we, we try to be that big net um, to catch folks, um, you know, when they come back home or, you know, they retire here or whatever. So, um, but yeah, man, we're just, we're kind of, kind of in, um, you know, kind of in cruise right now. We got it neutral. We're just kind of, you know, keeping our ear to the, to the ground. And, you know, I think I told you earlier today, you know, we've been, we've been getting people left and right. You know, like I said, you know, I've, I've been kind of telling our team like, Hey man, like, you know, let's, let's give the politicians a break. They did their part they know where we stand. You know, we got to wait for some things to happen, but, um, you know, the media has been reaching out to us just left and right, you know, like, Hey, you know, we, we want to do this and, you know, Hey, we'd like to cover this story. Um, in fact, tomorrow, uh, Burl and I are doing an interview with the local paper down here, you know, over, over the phone, um, with the gentleman who wrote the original article that you read, Colin Damaris, um, who wrote a phenomenal article. Um, you know, I joked with him, he was with us that morning when we stepped off at zero six and followed us for probably a good eight miles. Uh, leapfrogging us in his car and he'd hop out on the road. He'd walk a little bit and talk. And, and I think we're at mile 20, Ray and I probably around mile 20, we're already reading this article. And, uh, and he said, yeah, man, he said, I, he said, I posted a couple things on Twitter and it got so much attention that he was like, I got to get to the, I got to get back to the newsroom and write this right now or somebody else is going to write it. That's how we and, saw it come um, across. It starts coming across the Instagram feed, and I'm like, what, "What's Ray doing? What's going on?" And then you start all of a sudden articles start popping up. If you guys, yeah, were, you know, and, and we had Rob O'Neill and all these guys right, going live. Right. So I mean, it was, yeah, it was incredible. You know, Kid Rock. I mean, yep. like you know, it was like it was wild. So it was incredible. 
Gentlemen, before we go, if you'll allow me a moment, the 30 names, Dwayne Adams, Joseph Adams, Jerry Barton, Wayne Boyd, Linnell Butler, Clifton Callahan, Alan Clark, James Douse, Alonzo Garrett Forrest, Nathaniel Gay, Jack Gell, Anthony Golston, Kenneth Hatcher, Jerry Haynes, Hunter Kilburn, Paul Lephart, Roy Matthews, Jacob McKee, Ramon Moreno, Cesar Murray, Charles Parks, Franklin Penn, Isaiah Samuels, Donald Sizemore, R.J. Smith, Michael Tootin, Howard Ulmer, and Roy Weatherford. Mr. Wheatley, thank you for what you did to remember those 30 men, and thank you for your service to our nation, sir. Thank you, and God bless America. Yes, sir. Lowell, thank you so much for all you've done for our country, all you continue to do, brother. You are welcome on this show anytime. You know that. We'll keep this conversation going, man. Thank you so much for carrying the weight of this, for rallying your community behind it, and for doing the right thing right for the right reasons. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it, man. It's an honor. He's Lowell Coppert. That's Burrow Whitley. I'm Brian Jodas, and this has been Pick Up the Six Podcast.